welcome to the week 10 edition of the Megapod here on the lines, lines.com. Matt Brown, Steven Anders, and Adam Candy coming to you. Going to break down each and every game, give you every bet that's in our accounts, our liens, and reasons why we hate games, if that is in fact the case, boys. Um, Fortunately, we didn't. We don't have to talk about a Thursday night football game that that happened. It was a football game that happened, and we can move on, and we don't have to review anything because it doesn't have any implications on anything either. So we're uh, we're pretty good to be able to just move on here and get things started. Over in Germany, it is going to be the Indianapolis Colts and the New England Patriots. This right now is sitting one and a half to two in favor of the Colts. It is a total of 43, 43 and a half. Uh, the Patriots, this is how, this is how far they have fallen. They are now, uh, dogs to the Colts and, um, yeah, the Colts are playing their backup quarterback. Who's been pretty terrible so far this year. And that is where we sit right now with the Patriots. Of course, if we look at power ratings, I imagine everybody has both of these teams towards the bottom. So it's going to be interesting handicap here. Uh, Steven kick things off here. It is a. Patriots team that doesn't really do anything well so far this year. Do you believe in the stuff like, hey, let's rally around Coach Belichick? We're getting stuff coming out from beat writers that he might actually be on the hot seat with the stuff that's going on around over there. So, uh, you know, maybe there's maybe there's some narrative street to all of this that's going on. First of all, he should be on the hot seat if we're treating him like any other coach uh, at this point. At least the general manager version should be on the hot seat because yeah. this no, is a he has created a horrible. Yes, yes, yes. He has he has built a horrible team. Yes, yes. Sure. So, uh, regard for this matchup, I, I think um, the public is going to be all over the Colts, and I'm I can't get there as a, as a small favorite here for them. Uh, I think a lot of casual fans are going to see. Oh, they they won pretty easily against the Panthers last week by 14 points. Well, they were beneficiary of two pick sixes in that game. And they amassed a grand total of 3.5 yards per play. So not exactly running to the window to back this offense. But at the same time, the Patriots injuries just continue to get worse. We already talked last week about the receiver issues. Devontae Parker is still out. Demario Douglas is banged up. The offensive line has been horrendous. And now Trent Brown, their left tackle, is out. Uh, speaking of Belichick, the GM, he trades to get JC Jackson back. He's not making the trip now to Germany for personal reasons, it seems. So I don't know how you can be confident in either side of this game. So it, I'm just going to pass. Adam, if we take a look, it is, um, I, I mean, it's kind of like pick your poison, right? I mean, if you want to back the Colts, you're backing Gardner Minshew, who has been a turnover slash turnover worthy play machine so far since he's taken over full time you want to back the Patriots it's an offense that's completely inept there's like there I I don't know the I don't know the good way or I don't know what feels good when you hit submit in your account like what what feels good in this game when you hit it there actually is a bet for me that feels good in this and it's under uh Mm -hmm. there are still 43 and a halfs on the board out here and think about what today's scoring environment is there are six games on the board this week that are under 40 on the total. And then you look up and you see this game and you think, how are we expecting there to be that many points in a neutral environment game with two rough quarterbacks 
and two middle-of-the-road defenses. In fact, the Colts' defense, by some numbers, they like them a lot. So I look at these numbers and I say, all right, I don't want to be involved on either side. But I look at two much better offenses last week playing in this same stadium with a number that was seven points higher, and we never even approached it. 21-14 final between the Chiefs and Miami. And we're talking about in that game only one defense that we truly respect. And it took a short field and a defensive touchdown for us to even get to 35 points between those two teams. Look, neither offense is good. Neither defense is terrible. So to me, it's a pretty straightforward handicap to play this game under in today's scoring environment. Yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna take a pass. I think that would probably be the only way I would look at this one. Neither team is a team that I want to be backing. And um, honestly, the range of outcomes here is, is so wide. I mean, if, if we're talking about you know, if we're talking about this on Monday and the Colts won by 10, I w- I'd be like, all right, that makes sense. You know, and same deal <laughs> the other way around. So, yeah, just anytime like that, I don't want anything to do with games like that. Green Bay Packers and the Pittsburgh Steelers, as we sit, this is an expensive three or a cheap three and a half in favor of the Steelers at home against the Packers. 39 is the prevailing total, though we do have 138 and a half that has popped out there in this one Adam when we take a look we have seen a Pittsburgh offense that has at least looked somewhat like a an NFL offense and and I'm not going to say good because they have not looked good what I will say is they at least look like an NFL offense to where they looked like a college offense basically the first half of the season so we do at least have that going on for them out there, I think of note on the Packers side of things, Jair Alexander was a DNP both Wednesday and Thursday, so there's a chance that he is not able to go. Uh, Quay Walker, one of their one of their really good linebackers, actually DNP on both Wednesday and Thursday, which could make things a little bit easier for the Steelers. This thing opened at three. I was begging for a two and a half to come in and be able to back the Steelers. It never got there. It actually has gone the other way now. So what say you as we sit expensive three, cheap three and a half? I don't mind expensive three uh, on Pittsburgh. I, I haven't played it. That's definitely more a lean than than a play for me. <sighs> Green Bay's really, really bad, guys. Like, like this is one of those teams that I almost feel like the market hasn't caught up to just how bad Jordan Love has been, and the fact that they're so beaten up on the defensive side of the ball. On the other side of this, you mentioned Pittsburgh. Yeah. Outside of garbage time, offensive EPA the last four weeks, they're 19th in the league. And that doesn't sound great until you realize just how bad they were for most of this season. So look, I've said all along for the last, what, three weeks at least, I will fade Pittsburgh until they've actually show what kind of team they are. But this is not the week to try to do that, right? You can't just have this you know, situation agnostic view of everything. You're taking Jordan Love on the road against an opportunistic defense and an offense that has at least shown some competence. So it's not my favorite game on the board, but it is at least a lean to Pittsburgh for me. Yeah, it is. It's a Pittsburgh or pass for me. It'll probably be a contest play actually for me as opposed to something that ends up in my actual account. Um, I can at least say, hey, I backed Pittsburgh in some way, shape, or form this week, but just not with my actual hard-earned dollars. Uh, Steven, do you see anything in this one? I agree it would be Pittsburgh or nothing. Uh, The reason for that is if you look at these offenses overall on the season, they're actually pretty similar across the board in advanced metrics in that same tier. The difference is 
Green Bay has played one of the three easiest schedules in the NFL to this point, and Pittsburgh has played one of, if not the toughest. So there have been times in the past when we've done this show where we get a situation like this and there's a buy low opportunity on on in, in this case, it would be Pittsburgh. But the market's already sniffed it out. And this is an expensive price to pay on an offense led by Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett. So I think everything's already baked into this number. I'm not interested if for whatever reason early in the game, we would get something cheaper. Uh, I would be interested in Pittsburgh live. But with how awful Green Bay has been in the first half in particular, I'm not even confident of that as well. Um, I also just note, you know, we it may not be a buy point this week for Pittsburgh, but I am at least curious to see what their prices are going to be against better teams in the future because I think Deontay Johnson has made a significant difference to this offense to take them from like the the depths of the league to now closer to league average. In the three weeks since he's been back, this def- this offense is actually slightly above average in EPA per play. Uh, their rushing offense as well has opened up, getting Jalen Warren the ball more. They're actually third in the NFL in rush EPA over the past three weeks. So um, not sure how much Deontay Johnson matters for that, but I do think he has improved the passing game. Well, Stephen, to to piggyback that point, if you have any confidence in Pittsburgh, and again, I've been clear, I'm not that guy, but if you have confidence in Pittsburgh and you think Pittsburgh is going to run up Green Bay this week, and if you also look at their game next week against Cleveland, and depending on what you think, the market thinks Baltimore is the side this week against Cleveland, you can get four right now with Pittsburgh against Cleveland, and I don't think when this reopens you're going to be able to get four if you like Pittsburgh next week. If we look here, guys, too, it's like, you know, I was looking for reasons because I, I I go into every game and I, I try to play my own devil's advocate, right? And, like, so I was looking for reasons to say, like, oh, well, maybe it's because of this with Jordan Love. And you go in and you look, I'm like, okay, well, maybe he's just getting pressured all the time. Week seven through nine, right? I mean, he's the 17th most pressured quarterback in the NFL. Like, there are a lot of guys who are functioning at a much higher level that are getting pressured much more than him. Justin, uh, Jalen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, all these guys that are Joe Burrow, all these guys getting pressured more than Jordan Love. And so it's not even that. It's just, he's just not very good at the football like I, I don't he's just not very good at the football and I think too you look around and 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 they thought and I think there were a lot of Packer backers right heading into the season that thought man that was a young receiving core last year obviously a year in the NFL now they're going to be even better this year like th- like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs they don't scare anybody like at all right I mean like we're not hearing about either, any of these guys getting shadow treatment or any of those like getting bracketed or because like they don't scare anybody, and there's a, sure that's a product of, of love at quarterback, but it's also because they those guys just are, haven't really taken that next step here in year two that I think everybody thought they were going to. And so, yeah, for me, it is. And, and look, I don't actually like the Steelers. Y'all know this. I mean, y'all are here with me every week. I actually don't really like the Steelers as a team. So I think it says a lot as to what we think of the Packers that we're all kind of like that it would be the Steelers or pass, considering none of us are super, super high on the Steelers as it is anyway. New Orleans Saints and the Minnesota Vikings. This is a cheap three or an expensive two and a half. Actually, there's a flat two and a half available out there too. Uh, In favor of the Saints on the road at the Vikings, 41 is your total, though there are a couple 40 and a halves. We do know that Josh Dobbs is going to take over as quarterback for the Vikings in this thing. And 
you know, it's got to be better than what they were going to do um, with a fifth round rookie. That being said, it's still only a week and a half in the system. Steven, what do you have here as we look as Saints? Let's, I mean, look, there's actually a two and a half. So we can, we can call it two and a half and we can call it three if you, if you like the Vikings side. Okay, so all year we've been a little skeptical of the Saints offense. For a, a long period of time, they had trouble, massive trouble, getting into the end zone once they once they reached the red zone. They've solved that a little bit on goal-to-go situations by utilizing Taysom Hill more as a runner. And then they have games like last week where they're plus five in the turnover margin and still don't cover the touchdown and the hook spread. Uh, it's just it's just mind-boggling that they can have games like this offensively. Um, and at the same time, I just I, I don't really want to back Minnesota and Josh Dobbs still without Justin Jefferson with Kamara as a great checkdown option against all of these blitzes that Minnesota is doing most every single week. I think it's a bad matchup for Minnesota. As good of a story as Josh Dobbs was last week coming in out of nowhere and Kevin O'Connell doing one of the more impressive coaching jobs in a single game I've ever seen. Uh, I can't get there to kind of take them basically to win the game. If we're looking at two and a half, there are some threes, so that's a little different, but uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I took a teaser leg on Minnesota earlier in the week this week, still feel okay about it just because of what we know about the new Orleans offense, but I don't feel great about it. And I think it's because there was a lot of smoke and mirrors with that Vikings win last week against the Falcons where they could have easily been down three or four scores in the, in the beginning of that game before Atlanta kept them in it with their own red zone woes. Yeah. Adam, um, no Jefferson this week. They did open the window likely next week is seems to be what they're thinking with, uh, with Jefferson, but no Jefferson this week. Uh, KJ Osborne yet to clear the concussion protocol as well. Looks like TJ Hawkinson is going to go, but his ribs are at least going to be tender. So I'm actually in on Minnesota here, and it's a bit of a fade of New Orleans. Um, We think this New Orleans team is really a team that is what? Get it done with the defense and get just enough out of the offense, right? Um, Last four weeks, if you go look at the defense, by the same numbers that I always talk about. If I'm going to take the garbage timeout, I'm going to use EPA. The number one defense in the league, as in the number one worst defense in the league, is the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Better said, 32nd. Uh, The number three defense in the league, by the exact same numbers, is the Minnesota Vikings. Hmm. Um, The second... Most blitzing team in the league is the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we're going to talk about the most blitzing team in, in just a minute. Uh, the second most blitzing team is the Minnesota Vikings. And we know that Derek Carr is a quarterback where if you can make him move his feet, he is not the same player. Now, it's a bit high risk in terms of a handicap because if Derek Carr is going to have a bunch of one-on-one matchups, then that could be something that's a little more dangerous because we've seen that when the Saints can get good matchups, they have the receivers to win one-on-one. But this, to me, overall is a fate of the Saints defense. I'm looking at this game, and even with adjusting for Josh Dobbs, I have this game with the home field environment at Minnesota 1, and we're sitting 2.5 on on New Orleans here right now. It's one of the biggest home field advantages in the league, and... I would take the three 
with Minnesota. If you want to go Stevens way and go plus eight and a half on, on a teaser leg with the two and a halfs that are still out there, that makes plenty of sense to me as well, because I think the one thing we definitely can establish is that against a quality opponent, I don't see how New Orleans is running out of the gym on anyone considering the fact that this defense has been as bad as it has. Yeah, don't hate the teaser leg. I will say I, I, I'm, in the, I'm in on the Saints at two and a half. Um, and, and basically what it comes down to is it's a quarterback who's been there for a week and a half without the def, w- without anyone to throw to other than Jordan Addison. I mean, I think Hawkinson's going to play. I think Hawkinson's going to be on a pitch count. Like, apparently, if you read some of the beat reporter stuff out there, um, Hawkinson looked very looked very stiff out of practice this week. I mean, it was apparently a pretty, pretty decent little rib injury that's going on with him. Look, they're going to give him the good stuff. He's going to get shot up. It's going it, to, it'll be okay. But I mean, how many of those shots can he actually take and how many uh, snaps is he actually going to play? I looked at it. My handicap basically came down to this is that Minnesota has no run game at all anyway, and you can't run against the saints. Like the saints do have a very, very stiff run defense. And so I do wonder if you take a guy who's been on a team for a week and a half and you make him one dimensional and the team knows that they're going to have to throw the ball in order to move the ball, how, how effective he can actually be. And and that is basically what it came down to with me in this one. I do think Lattimore can probably, I don't know for sure that they will use him in a shadow situation against Addison. But if that's the case, then I do wonder the effectiveness of all these kind of like, you know, C-level, D-level receivers that they're going to have to run out there uh, with with a guy, again, that's been in town for a week and a half. And so I, I am in on the Saints two and a half. I don't love it, but I think to me it was one of those where all signs kind of point to is there is there a bigger path for a guy that, in my opinion, that's been there for a week and a half to have a rough day throwing the ball to a bunch of nobodies than it is for the Saints to be able to cover a very small spread in two and a half. And so that, that was the handicap for me. So I do have Saints two and a half in the account. You mentioned uh, Lattimore. Yeah. Just one last note. You mentioned yeah. Lattimore. I think we also need to, you know, introduce the world here if they haven't already to Paulson Adebo, their other corner, who is the number two graded corner by PFF. I believe he has the best passer rating allowed this year for the Saints defense. So uh, two fantastic options to try and take away Addison on an offense missing Jetta, Hawkinson banged up. So, again, another reason why I'm concerned, even though I do have the teaser leg. Yeah, I don't think the Saints win at margin, though. Like, so I, I think the teaser leg's fine. I, I mean, it's just Saints just aren't built to win at margin right now, right? It's just, it's like, unless they magically figure out how to score, like you said, in the red zone, which I think that when the they did a couple of weeks cute. ago, it was because they hit explosive plays against the yeah. Colts. They scored from yeah. outside the red zone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think it's cute what they're doing with Taysom Hill, but I mean, how how effective is that really going to be in the long term? And so, yeah, I, I don't think they went at margin. Two and a half, though, just wasn't. I couldn't quite get there. That's fair. With this one. Yeah. Uh, Houston Texans and the Cincinnati Bengals. This is sitting six and a half in favor of Cincinnati, a total of 47. I sent you guys a message yesterday that I came in on the under thinking this thing was going to move, and it is not. It is still sitting at 47. Despite the fact that we have no T. Higgins in this and that Jamar Chase is to the point where we have um, them saying, well, he looked pretty good and we'll see, you know, what we'll, we'll see what comes of it. Uh, for me, that was a really good sniffing point for me. Like I started to sniff on this game a little bit more and started to like look at things a little bit deeper. And then now we do get official word that Nico Collins, Damian Pierce, Jimmy were all out 
for the uh, Texans in this thing. So um, we do have that Laramie Tunsil questionable. So I do wonder how effective this Texans offense can be as well. 47, pretty high in today's game environment. So that's where I ended up on this one. Steven, uh, what say you? Beginning of the week, I almost pulled the trigger on uh, Texans north of a touchdown. um, And I just couldn't do it because of the injury situation. So definitely not interested in Texans south of a touchdown. Now that we're sitting at six and a half, uh, especially with the the wide receiver issues. You say Nico Collins is definitely out at this point. Yeah, yes, that, that's a that's a huge blow. I mean, he's got a massive target share for for CJ Stroud this year. Um, so hey, start Tank Dell in fantasy lineups, though. I'll tell you that that guy is fun. Uh, but on the Bengals side here, aren't they just going to try and get out of here as healthy as possible and get a win? Like this isn't a game where they're going to try and be firing on all cylinders. And it, Rappaport said this morning on Friday morning that T Higgins is probably not going to play. He's more week to week than he is day to day. It's clear that if Jamar chase plays, he's going to be, you know, working through some pain with a bruised back. So I, this, this feels like a lot of Joe Mixon this week, if they can do it. Um, I, I just, I can't get there on either side with the injury situations. And because of those injuries, I mean, everything you said about the under makes a ton of sense to me. And that's a big number to use, you know, the point Adam made a couple games ago. That's a big number in this day and age in the NFL. Scoring is so down this year. That's a huge number with all the injuries to the weapons on both sides. And, and, and Adam, one thing I didn't point out that I'm glad that Steven kind of brought up there in this is um, you do have a Cincinnati team that. It's not their Super Bowl because obviously they've made it to the Super Bowl, so it is Super Bowl. But next Thursday they play the Ravens, and that is a much, much more important game in the grand scheme of things with everything. So them being able to, them being able to get in on this game, get up, just like 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 Stephen said, hand the ball to Mixon a million times, get out of there with some sort of gross win seems okay in this situation, considering you do have that game on Thursday, and you do have some guys that are kind of nicked up, so. Uh, another thing that did actually play into the the underthought for me as well. It's not often that I give you guys 180 degree pushback, but I'm going to give it to you on this one. Cincinnati is five and three. Houston is four and four. If Houston wins this game, they have the same record, and Houston has the tiebreaker when we get into potential playoff scenarios. I don't think it's just a throwaway for Cincinnati in this spot because. Cincinnati still has a very difficult schedule down the stretch. So I don't think they treat it like the Super Bowl by any stretch. And obviously, keeping T. Higgins out of this game, they're not. And they might lean that way with Jamar Chase. I'm going to stay out of this game entirely. Um, I understand the the look to the under. It's going to be hard for me, though, the way that both C.J. Stroud and Joe Burrow have been playing to feel comfortable playing under no matter who the receivers are. So I'll stay out. But I would just say... I think there's a little more value in this game for Cincinnati than a throwaway. I will say this, and this is another thing that um, I would throw out there with this one. I wouldn't necessarily take a look at this and then just assume because and the numbers aren't up quite yet. And so when they do get up, but I wouldn't assume that this is just like, oh, well, this is going to be Tyler Boyd going nuts or whatever, you know, like Tyler Boyd's number is going to be incredibly inflated and we have seen many times, like we've seen T. Higgins out, we've seen Jamar Chase out, we've seen different scenarios where like Burrow just doesn't 
hone in on Boyd. Boyd is like the, he is your, he is a really great number three. And like, they love him as a number three and Burrow just looks at him as a number three. And, and so I'm guessing this number is going to be tempting for a lot of people, but I don't think it's a slam dunk that like, oh, just because T Higgins is out and maybe there's fewer snaps to go around for, uh, for Jamar chase that it's going to be smash spot there for, for Tyler Boyd, because you can just look over the last couple of years. Joe Burrow just doesn't increase his targets to him a ton, right? He he just he just doesn't. We we have to go somewhere enough, else with that. Sorry, go ahead, Adam. Yeah. If you want to go somewhere else with that, then go go look at Irv Smith. Go look at Andre Yosivas. Yosivas is actually the guy behind T. Higgins on the depth chart in his spot. So you you can probably find some less ridiculous numbers on some of those secondary receivers than you will on Tyler Boyd. The other thing we haven't talked enough about with the Bengals, as much as we've been high on them, uh, their defense is still a concern. They're giving up a ton of yardage every single week, it seems. Now, they're getting away with it with turnovers, but over the last three weeks, they are 31st in the NFL at 6.4 yards per play allowed. So, Lou Anarumo is great at at second-half adjustments. We've seen that over the years, but moving forward, especially next week when we talk about that huge game, across our, our podcasts, you know, I think we need to start looking at this Bengals defense a little closely before we consider them as a true Super Bowl contender. Yeah. I mean, I guess my only pushback to that would be it's Seahawks, Niners, Bills, like the last three weeks. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly not teams that don't have a pulse and they still won all three of the games. So I, I, well, that'd be and, a- and guys to, to that point, I think we need to talk about a greater point overall in the NFL, just a greater environment thing is that, we, we probably this year in particular need to reevaluate what we think about yardage allowed and red zone efficiency, because we've seen a lot of change in the NFL this year where everything is kept in front of you. Right. And that's not mm-hmm. a new thing to this year, but there is a lot of bend, but don't break defense in the NFL with as many teams yeah. as play over the top shells. Teams are being allowed to move the ball down the field and pick up yardage but they're not being allowed to get into the end zone at the same level that they used to be. And so there are smarter numbers behind this that I'm not referencing here. Cause I didn't look it up and think about it in the moment, but I have read quite a bit about that this year. Yeah, no, I, that's Fair a very points. good point. Like there, people are surrendering the underneath stuff. Like they, they are okay with the underneath stuff. And then they, they clamp down once you kind of get to like the 40 yard line, you know, and that's when they really start to, to, to play a little bit different form of defense. That is definitely a, uh, a good point to bring up. Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. This is six and a half now in favor of the Ravens. 38, 38 and a half is your total. I have two bets on this game, neither of which matter to anybody out there because the numbers are long gone. So um, it doesn't. I, let, let's talk, Adam, in the context of what people can bet today, and then I'll get to why I got to the to where I got to with the numbers I got to. But six and a half, 38, 38 and a half. It's Baltimore at under a touchdown for me, and I hate to be a prisoner of the moment with the way that Baltimore is playing, but to me, this is a fade of Deshaun Watson, pure and simple. Um, The Cleveland Browns offense cannot move right now. He can't throw the ball, guys. He's making clear to everyone, both on the field and in what he's saying, his shoulder is not right. And this Cleveland running game has not been the same since the loss of two of its starting offensive linemen. And they're going to be down two of their starting offensive linemen for the rest of the season here. Um, 
But Deshaun Watson's not right, and this is not the defense that you want to be going against if you're not right. And so I don't want to play the under because Baltimore's offense certainly has the ability to do a lot more, and we've seen that. Um, Cleveland's defense is great. We know that. We've seen it throughout the season. But I can't get to a point where I think that Baltimore struggles enough that they're going to not be able to win this game by seven points because of the fact that I don't trust Cleveland's offense behind Deshaun Watson right now at all. Yeah. Um, Steven, it is, it's, I, I want to give a shout out. It's Ian Hart. It's who put the stuff together, but he, all the throws that Deshaun Watson made over 10 yards in the game last week. And he like put a montage together. And I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but like, was it a you tough know, watch NFL quarterbacks, like 15 yard, 20 yard, 25 yard passes. It's like a wrist flick. Like these guys have legitimate. And, and by the way, Deshaun Watson of three years ago, it was a wrist flick for him, right? He had a cannon. It is like, it is like 15 yard outs and he is putting his entire body. Like, I mean, like it, 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 it is taking everything inside of him to get these balls down the field. And even when he's throwing them down the field, there's not much on them and they're, and they're not very accurate, you know? And so it is a very real concern in all of this. And so that also led me to where I did end up. I have Ravens five and a half um, in the account. Again, six and a half is, is, is now the number. Maybe you're looking at a non-traditional teaser here. Maybe you're looking at a money line parlay, something like that. If you feel comfortable under the field goal, I mean, under the touchdown, I'm okay with that too. More power to you, but it's a it's a deal. I did play the under Adam. It was at forty when when I played it. I think at thirty eight and a half is still something I would be interested in. The Browns defense obviously been doing it all year long since week six. They're they're first in EPA per play allowed, but the Ravens are third in EPA per play allowed. So we're, one, we're not worried about the Browns defense. I mean the offense anyway. But now the Ravens defense should clamp down even more on that. And then the Browns um, second in success rate allowed. Ravens ninth in success rate allowed. So I don't think that the Ravens are kind of like hot knife through butter here or anything like that. And so I did end up playing the the under 40. The other thing that was pretty interesting, and I know you guys, this was actually, I, I got led to this because of all of the, the MVP talk for like Lamar and stuff. And like you go and you look and the, the counting stats just aren't really there for Lamar, which I, so I think it's kind of a dead ticket for him, but I know everyone's trying to make the case for that. They're just running a lot more on early downs. They're very efficient doing it. Like, they're the only team maybe in the NFL that should do it. But, like, if you look, last week, they ran on 34 of 60 early downs, right? Like, more than 50% of the time, they're running on early downs. The week before that, 25 of 52. They were on bye in week seven. The week before that, 26 of 53. So, like, they're just – it's – that that lends even more to the under for me because like they are they're going to run it on first down they're going to run it on second down and and it's fine because they're doing it well and they're moving the chains but like as we know that just keeps the clocks going forever and forever and forever and uh I, I like that angle as well with this with this Raven squad Adam I think you have a, a retort yeah I just want to I just want to add to that I, I I like your number better than the current number because when you game out potential scores for this thing like a 27-10, like a 28-10, like a 24-14, right? Like 38 is also on the board here. If you can get the, un, even under 38 and a half, I think is playable, but I like your 40 a lot better because of the potential combinations here. Just also keep in mind with defenses this good, the possibility for a defensive touchdown, which is going to screw up your total play is at least a little higher than it would be in other situations. 
Stephen, what you looking at here, Ravens and Browns? Yeah, I think if we're going to do the devil's advocate argument of, of backing the Browns here, it's completely rooted in the defense and how dominant they've been, to which I would rebuttal, well, if you're this high on on the Browns' defense, then you need to also acknowledge that where the Browns are number one in advanced metrics, the Ravens are number two in those same metrics. So, And they actually have a competent offense that's peaking and putting up monster numbers where Watson and company, oh, by the way, are also missing their left and right tackle against the number two defense this week. So uh, I don't know how Cleveland moves the ball. So we're aligned there. And I do think seven was probably more appropriate if we're considering that the Ravens were six last week against Seattle. And I basically have them kind of rated next to each other, uh, the Seahawks and the Browns, when you consider just the liabilities Cleveland has on offense. So I think, you know, I want to use the rest of my time on this game having a quick discussion on whether or not it's a possibility that the Ravens are actually the number one team in the NFL at this point. Um, They're at least in terms of consensus market ratings in the top tier with San Francisco and Kansas City. And I don't know if I'm ready to put them number one yet, but I'm not sure I'm ready to close the door either because, you know, last three weeks plus 2.6 net yards per play. The next best team is the Cowboys at 1.2, just massive domination against those two quality opponents in the Lions and the Seahawks. And all the, all the talk is always about Lamar Jackson and rightfully so he's the quarterback and a former MVP, but People need to learn how good the rest of this roster is as well. If you look at his offensive line, the left guard, John Simpson's top 20 in pass block win rate. The center, Tyler Linderbaum, is top 10, which means both of those guys are holding their blocks for 2.5 seconds or longer, more than 95% of the time. Fantasy players know how good Mark Andrews is. On defense, their edges, Jadavion Clowney and Adafi Owe, both top 15 in PFF grade. The defensive tackle, Michael Pierce, also top 15 PFF grade. Roquan Smith, top five PFF grade. Two safeties, Geno Stone, Kyle Hamilton, number three and number 16 grade safeties in the entire NFL. This Mike is McDonald saves team, babies. He's, Mike McDonald saves babies from burning <laughs> buildings. John Harbaugh helped an old lady across the street. We get it, dude. They got a lot of good players. So let me pose the question to you, Adam. Are you ready to anoint them the number one team in the NFL? Or if not, do you at least leave the door open? Uh, I understand where you're coming from. Let me put it that way. Um, My power ratings this week go Kansas City, Philadelphia, Baltimore. And that, for me, still bakes in priors, right? It still bakes in what I thought about these teams before the season. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is that far above everybody else as a quarterback in a league where quarterback play is historically bad overall. I think it creates a gap for Mahomes that is even larger than it would be normally to the next steps. Um, Obviously, I like the way Baltimore has looked, but Detroit is a very good team. We don't necessarily know that the Seahawks are a very good team, and those are the two teams that we've seen these dominant performances against for Baltimore. So, I listen, I can't argue too hard against you the way things are right now, but at the same time, I'm still going to keep Kansas City at the top. 
so my dog's going nuts here. Anyone listening? But because he thinks he wants to get in on this conversation. Well, but, he, he's uh, about the only but, dog that's been barking but, against the Ravens but, lately. I'll say that. So so here's here. Here's what I will say about this. And I have the Ravens in the top five in the power rankings. I think that this team is is, is definitely good. This is what I will say. There's no fraudulent wins in the NFL. A win is a win is a win. I know everyone likes it. Ah, fraudulent win and all this stuff. Like that. A win is a win is when it's hard to win in the NFL. They have wins against the Texans in a rookie quarterback's first start in the NFL. A, a three-point win against the Bengals with a broken Joe Burrow. They lost to the Colts. They got the Browns with Dorian Thompson Robinson. They lost to the Steelers. They got a win against the Titans in which Ryan Tannehill goes out and Malik Willis came in in the game. And then they sleptwalk through a win against the Cardinals. The Lions win is incredibly impressive. Do not get me wrong. In Seattle, maybe Seattle's just an average team. Uh, so uh, I'm not I'm not discounting anything we've seen from the Ravens, and they very well might be the best team in the NFL. I think we might be crowning them just a little bit too soon when you really look through this schedule and see how things have, have played out for them. So they might be peaking at the right time, no doubt about that. We will certainly find out on Thursday whenever they face Cincinnati. But uh, to crown them at this juncture, I think, is a bit premature. I think it's a great conversation at this point. I think both of you guys make great points and I would be lying if I said I'd be running to the window to back Lamar Jackson in a close to pick game against Patrick Mahomes at a playoff game. I, I can't get there yet, yeah. to be honest with you. The Tennessee Titans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Listen, hats off to the Titans. They made the right decision. They have gone with Will Levis for the rest of the season. They have no fan financial tie to Ryan Tannehill after this year, so there was no point in trotting him back out there. Why they didn't trade him is bizarre to me, but that's beside the point. One, one and a half in favor of the Bucks over the Titans. 38 and a half to 39 is your total, Stephen. Uh, the Bucks team is just, it's just kind of odd, right? It's like they got Mike Evans and he's good, and you got Chris Goblin and we think he's good. Baker Mayfield is not terrible but he's not good either he's below league average but you have some guys on the defensive side of the ball it's just a weird it's just a weird game all around right because now Levis being in there for the Titans does bring a different element than than Tannehill brought where they they he's at least okay to YOLO it down the field I don't know what the outcome of that is 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 to be determined but I don't know I, I couldn't I couldn't get anywhere on this game with with these two teams in the current state for both of them I might bet Tennessee in this game. I haven't yet. If I do, I'll pop it in the lines, free discord, top right-hand corner of the homepage. You can find the button. Um, I think I like Will Levis and I'm hoping, or maybe just waiting for one of you guys to push back on me against that. You know, the first game, a lot was made about the chunk plays and the fact that they had a very, very low success rate in that game. So it was a little bit of, of an illusion about how consistent he actually was. Second game on a short week against the Steelers pass rush. He at least was respectable to me. If you look at the advanced metrics from week nine, and again, the tiniest of sample sizes here, but he was 18th in success rate, at least a substantial improvement from what we saw in his NFL debut. If you look at EPA per play, he was still you know hovering around the average for the week which I think in this offense with the receivers he's working with and how much velocity he can put on the ball, 
it, it makes it easier than if Ryan Tannehill was in there because you need somebody with that type of, of strength passing the ball to fit balls in the tight windows. You saw him making some crazy deep bombs like with a flick of the wrist. So I at least think it opens up more of an upside for them. I think the, I think Todd Bowles is going to want to run the ball on early downs every single week until he gets fired. Like this is what he is. This is what he does. Doesn't matter what offensive coordinator he puts in there, and that's like a recipe for disaster against the Tennessee front in this game. It's a bad matchup to do that. So, um, I and and the Tampa Bay defense has crumbled and melted against the pass as injuries have started to pile up here. So. I'm finger on the trigger of the Titans. I haven't done it yet just because this is still uncertainty with a rookie quarterback making his third start in the NFL. Uh, but I think this is a big coaching mismatch too with Vrabel versus Todd Bowles. Adam, we don't talk a, a ton of props here uh, on the on the show, but DeAndre Hopkins is sitting like 60 and a half, like 59 and a half, 60 and a half, 61 and a half out there in the receiving market. As Steven just mentioned, like this Bucks secondary has just been giving it up left and right um, over the last several weeks. Uh, and, and we know that, like we said, Levis is okay YOLO in it, right? And like, yeah, it might end up in pass interference and you don't get receiving yards for that. But you know what? He might catch it too. And so I think it's a smidge low. I actually have Hopkins projected out at like a little over 70. So it's kind of like 10 yards. You're almost getting 20% on what the numbers lined at, according to where I'm at, at least from a projection standpoint. So I do want to at least throw that out there. Maybe if you're, you know, if you're running a, I don't know why you would want to run a same game parlay in this game, but if you're doing that, like maybe you would add that into that or something, but I, I do want to put it out there. And I think that's a smidge low on Hopkins, given the quarterback change. Like if this was Tannehill, no chance that I would be interested in something like that. But with Levis and his ability to get it down the field and get it down the field with authority, uh, I think that might be a little low. So I'll give you a way that I actually could see a same game parlay build. And you have to buy the narrative here first, right? I'm going right. to caveat the whole thing by saying you got to buy my narrative for this to work. I do not understand this game having a total of 39. It doesn't make sense to me at all with the way that these two quarterbacks are playing right now. Mm -hmm. And the fact that neither of these defenses is particularly good. If you believe that Levis can YOLO it down the field, and if you believe that Baker Mayfield has been a top 15 quarterback this year and poke the numbers any way you like, you're going to find Baker Mayfield has been a top 15 quarterback mm -hmm. this year. Then you believe this game is getting over 39 points. And when we talk about same game parlay builds, you could build all of it around receiving overs and around this game going over. You can tie the two together. You could even play a couple, you know, you could alt the over a little bit up to 41, 42, 43, I think this game could easily play to 45, 46, 47, depending on the weather conditions not affecting the game. There is supposed to be a little bit of rain, a little bit of wind, but nothing that is to the level that we worry about it. So overall, I see a team that in Tampa Bay, Tennessee's defense is maybe going to keep it from its worst instincts. Mm -hmm. Coaching the bet warning here. Big flashing siren. Coaching your bet warning. <laughs> um, this year. On first down, Tampa Bay's EPA offensively, 23rd in the league. On second down, 27th in the league. On third down, 7th in the league. There's no big mystery. They throw the ball once they are in bad situations on third down. Tennessee wants you to run the ball, right? I should say Tennessee does not want you to uh, challenge. God almighty, the words. Okay. Pass funnel. You can't defense. run against Tennessee. Thank you. <laughs> 
can tell I'm playing a road game this week. Yeah. Um, you cannot challenge this Tennessee defense on the ground, and I think Tampa Bay will know that. And Tampa might get away from some of those terrible first and second down runs in a game against Tennessee. So overall, for me, the, the play is over 39. But if you want to play receiving overs, if you want to play alt overs on the game, I could see all of it because this to me has the makings of something that goes 24-21, 27-21 very easily. Yeah, I think this is like the sneaky, if you play DFS, this is kind of like the sneaky DFS game of the week that might end up like like vastly outperforming what we think. The other thing is, and guys, I know when we talk about like, hey, here's an in-game thought, like you forget about it the second that you hear it, but write it down. Put something in your phone, like remind you, put an alarm in your phone or something, whatever. But uh, to all of the point that we're trying to make here, so the pass attempt prop for Baker Mayfield right now is 33 and a half. If they happen to get down in this game, the everyone here, rest of country books dynamically prices these player props as the game continues, right? They don't have a run game to begin with. And if they get down in this game, Baker Mayfield is going to throw 85% of the rest of the downs, if not 90% of the rest of the downs. And if you can get a dynamically changed uh, pass attempts prop, then Baker Mayfield's going to end up throwing the ball 39, 40, 40, two times, something like that in this game. Again, it's just something you have to be watching the game and you have to be in tune with. But I like to I like to identify these spots where, again, I'll write it down to make sure that I don't forget to, to pay attention to that as the game goes on because it's a team that cannot run the ball at all anyway. And if they get down, Baker's going to throw every single down. And, and you can at least get an attempts prop uh, bet in there and feel pretty good about it on that one. San Francisco 49ers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is three in favor of the 49ers. It is 44 and a half all the way to 45 and a half out there as far as the total goes. Could be heading to three and a half at a couple of books. We are juiced out there. Adam, both teams coming off of a bye. One team riding high heading into the bye. One team looking to figure some things out. We do get Debo Samuel back for the 49ers this week, which I think we all have said shockingly makes a big difference. Like we thought we knew anytime you lose a starting wide receiver, it makes a difference. I don't think we thought it would make as big of a difference as it has with Brock Purdy, but he needs him out there to be Purdy in order for the offense to click. So having him out there, certainly a big deal. Jacksonville is going to look as healthy as they have. looks like Zay Jones going to be back out there for them as well. So they're going to be as healthy as we've seen them since week one. Um, this is going to be a set of numbers that I think will surprise you guys a little bit, but maybe not entirely. I, I don't know how much attention y'all been paying to Jacksonville. And I'll go back to last week's podcast where I said, if you want to look ahead at this thing and play a teaser on Jacksonville and get it out to eight and a half, and we were saying tie that up with the Lions uh, up to seven and a half, that was about as good as it gets. And I think you probably should have done that. I, I, I like that better than playing the three with Jacksonville, but I am going to say play the three with Jacksonville because of this. Um, last five weeks, and I realize we can give it the usual caveats with opponents, but the NFL is so bad this year that you might just have to throw out a lot of the opponent caveats because everyone's playing the same bad teams for the most part. Um, Jacksonville, non-garbage time, EPA, number one on offense, number two on defense. 
Um, the defense has started to put it together in a way that I don't know that we thought they could. And again, bad opponents, I understand. But the offensive side is what stands out to me because of the fact that this was an offensive line that we weren't sure was going to be able to get it together. And when Cam Robinson came back from suspension after week four and they got their left tackle back and the pieces went back in place, they finally started to look right overall offensively. So I'm not saying that I think Brock Purdy is going to continue having all of the turnover worthy plays come home to roost the way they did right mm -hmm. before the bye, especially without having Trent Williams and without having Debo Samuel they're going to be as healthy as they've been, as you mentioned, but that also also goes for Jacksonville. So it's a tough spot for, for me, for, for San Francisco. I know that the sharper people that I've listened to overall this week have been more lean San Francisco. My hard lean there is on Jacksonville at plus three. It's very interesting, Stephen, because very rarely do I think that I a handicap to me comes down to whether our advanced statistics are actually real or true or not, but if you look, this has been a ridiculously, amazingly good run defense for Jacksonville so far. And if we believe that these advanced statistics are true, and I'm saying all of this with the fact that I don't have a bet in this game, um, are we are we thinking Brock a one-dimensional Brock, Brock Purdy, a, a Brock Purdy that has to throw every down, is going to be able to get it done against the Jacksonville defense. It's actually been pretty good against the pass too. So that's, it's weird to me that that's kind of what it comes down to, to me, but it's like, if you can't be effective with CMC on the ground and it's kind of like, okay, Purdy's dropping back way more than they would ideally want him to. And the pass rush knows that he's dropping back a ton. So they're kind of able to pin their ears back. It just, it does make me wonder a little bit about everything that all that being said, I, I don't have a bet on this game. To your point, if that happens and the Jags are successful in slowing down the running attack of the Niners, uh, since week four, the start of the Jaguars winning streak here, they are number four in drop back EPA allowed and number eight in drop back success rate. So again, we're playing the game of, do you believe this is legitimately a top 10 passing defense? Because coming into the season, most of us thought they'd be a a bottom 10 passing defense. So is it a product of the schedule or not? And I think Adam makes a fair argument about the quality of just offenses in the NFL at this point. Um, I'm buying low on San Francisco off the three game losing streak and them getting their key pieces back to full health here on offense. If you, I, I wanted to take a moment and go back and look at the consensus market ratings before the injuries and what this line probably would have been at that point. And I got about five and a half. So I'm looking at two and a half, a, an expensive two and a half still available at at least one spot right now for the 49ers. I've bet two and a half at regular juice. I'd pay extra juice on it. I, I think it's a great buy low spot for the 49ers here. Um, even if you look at the losing streak, the, the past three games the 49ers have played, and this is really where the handicap comes down to for me. And I think you guys are going to laugh because it's the, the thing we've talked about with Brock Purdy over and over again. Is he going to turn the ball over in the game or not? Because you guys have shouted from the mountaintops that he still continues to be an issue with turnover worthy plays. And he got away with it over and over again. And then during the losing streak, he just didn't get away with the turnover worthy plays. 
but if if not for those turnovers, there, this was still a top five offense across the advanced metrics with the turnover play stripped out of there. They moved the ball at will. It was just Purdy turning it over. So um, I'm going to buy low here on the Niners and hope Purdy doesn't turn into a pumpkin again. And we see what I, I think not having 12 targets a game to Jawan Jennings and Ray Ray McLeod should help that. And those targets now going back to the players and the weapons that they should be going to. Uh, so I, I, I kind of have a rule of thumb at this point, Matt, when, when the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan are being priced under a field goal, I'm going to take that. The one thing I would mention here in this one, um, we might have wins. Uh, this is a kind of 15 to 20 sustained and Gus could get up to 30. Now, again, we are still, this is still Friday. The game is not until Sunday, weather changes, but something of note, if you want to keep that in mind, that could affect these guys, uh, certainly uh, deep passes. And then anything, you know, from a kicking game standpoint could be kind of wonky as well in this. So might, might want to monitor the weather on this one a little bit more. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 800- bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Detroit Lions at the Los Angeles Chargers. This is now three in favor of the Lions on the road at the Chargers. 48 and a half is your total. Steve, we've talked about a hundred times. No home field advantage over in L.A., Detroit is playing very well. Detroit is getting cold about right now. I imagine everybody wouldn't mind a weekend over in LA. I imagine it's going to be at least 50-50, if not more, whenever it's all said and done. So we're probably going to see a ton of blue in the stands over there. The uh, Lions come in off of a bye, and as healthy as we've seen them basically since week one, David Montgomery is back. Both offensive linemen that have been banged up are back, Frank Ragnow and Jonah Jackson are both going to go. So this is from a starters standpoint on both sides of the ball. It's pretty much as healthy, as good as the lions can possibly be. You have the chargers on a short week that are going to be flying back across the country. They lost Josh Palmer now. So now they are down two starting wide receivers Um, in Mike Williams. Who's gone for the season, Josh Palmer now on IR. So it is a, it is an interesting spot here for the chargers who basically have to win this game for any sort of hope of of anything in the AFC. 
But at this point, if you're going to back the lines, you're paying the most expensive price you have since this market opened. This has been a ton of movement. We mentioned on the show last week that I bet the Lions on the look ahead close to a pick em. It was around one, one and a half at the start of this week. And now we're all the way to the key number of three. So I, at some point, you have to have a stopping point. And the, to the key number is, is where I would stop. I, I would only be interested in Detroit less than a field goal. Despite the fact that it, it is a dream spot, they're coming off a bye. The Chargers had to play on Monday Night Football, and it's Jared Goff not having to deal with his typical road game issues because he's in a dome with no home field advantage. So um, if two and a half pops between now and kickoff, I would still take that bet. Everything we thought about the Chargers, or at least my concerns about the Chargers offense, came to fruition last week against the Jets. And it, it just happened to be the most unimpressive 21 point win I've seen in a long time. It, it just a lot happened where Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson melted. They got a punt return touchdown. The Chargers offense could only get 3.4 yards per play against the Jets. They were 23rd out of 28 teams last week in success rate. Herbert had a negative 10 completion percentage over expected a week ago. And the Lions defense isn't anywhere near as good as the Jets defense, but they're still formidable. And on the flip side, when the Lions have the ball, this is a top 10 offense by advanced metrics against a Chargers defense that is bottom 10 in those same advanced metrics. So um, it's Detroit or nothing for me, but I, I really would like less than a field goal. This is getting really expensive. Uh, it is a cheap three. So if you wanted to buy off of the three onto the two and a half, um, you're going to get a discount on that. And so it's not the worst thing in the world. Typically it's worth about 19 cents. If you go from three to two and a half, but your most books aren't going to give you that. But even if it's 21 cents, 22, so if you're paying like minus minus one twenty one, one twenty two, something like that, I would still do that for the, uh, for the two and a half as opposed to the three, which I still think is a bet and put in the account. I didn't get the pick them. I did get the minus one on the lions before this thing got to moving. So I have that in the account. Feel pretty good about it. Adam, where are you at? My eyes and numbers tell me two different things about this. And I'll start by saying if anyone wants to hit the 30-second uh, skip here that I'm passing on this game. But um, the Chargers, to my eyes, suck. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't like them on either side of the ball. Um, I don't really like the way they called the offense i don't like the way justin herbert has looked overall navigating around the busted finger um they obviously are an abomination on defense but at the same time i'm not gonna say that my eye test overcomes the fact that they are non-garbage time they are the number five epa offense in the league right like they do have some ability to move the football because they have a top five quarterback in the league in justin herbert so uh, I'll pass on it. The one way that I could see getting in, if you want to get in, is I would play out a script in which the Detroit offense hums because of what Matt talked about, the fact that the offensive line is healthy, the fact that David Montgomery is healthy. You could play it on the team total. Uh, right now, DraftKings, 26.5. If you want to go over, you can get plus money on over 26.5. With a game with a 48.5 total, I, I think you could try to take a little bit of a positive shot at the Detroit offense getting to 27 points because of the fact that they are healthy and because of the fact that Dan Campbell is going to give you a whole lot of positive decisions on fourth downs that are not going to lead to a lot of crap field goals that tend to 
hold you back. So uh, I don't want to be involved in handicapping the Chargers is kind of what I'm getting at here. I don't want to try to figure out what I'm going to get out of the Chargers. I want to isolate my handicap to Detroit. Yeah, I'm from a talent perspective. I agree that Herbert top five quarterback since week six. And the reason I go back there is like, that's when that is when it's weird. Like sometimes these like good players come back into offenses and then it like kind of messes things up or whatever. So Austin Eckler comes back in. Justin Herbert is like league average or below league average in like every single advanced stat that there is, right? Like EPA plus CPOE success rate, expected completion percentage, air yards, like all that are like that. Like, He's either at league average or below in like every single one of those categories. And like, it's like, I don't know if they rely too much on Eckler or if like they're just running plays that are less, less efficient because they want to feed him because they know that he's like vocal and gets mad when he doesn't get the ball. Like, I don't know exactly what's going on there. It's weird that you get a, a pro bowl player back and the offense actually takes a step backwards, but that's kind of what's gone on here with all this. And the other thing that bothers me is this offensive line, which so, again, it's not terrible, but if you look at the 27 qualifiers, Herbert's like 14th when under pressure, right? So he's like league average, again, like under pressure. Well, the last three weeks has actually gotten a little bit worse for him. He's been pressured on 45 of his 100 attempts, right? Like, it's like every other drop back, this offensive line is failing him. And the, ninth, and the Lions actually come in with the ninth highest pressure rate in, in all the NFL. And so... I think there's just a lot of things that might end up going wrong here for this Chargers team. And so anything under a field goal, I would still feel pretty good about it. I mean, listen, we you, you already mentioned it, Adam. It's, it's golf in a dome. We're not worried about that. It's good weather. We're not worried about all the other stuff. And then also Chargers, unless it's Joey Bosa, they get no pressure either. 25th in the league as far as pressure rate. So golf, we don't get the happy feet, you know, like what to do golf. Like we're going to get probably golf just standing in there and being able to pick pick this defense apart with all that so i don't know i i like i like the lions a lot this week and i think there's a lot of things that are going um positively in their direction heading into this one atlanta falcons and the arizona cardinals this is sitting one and a half to two in favor of the falcons on the road 43 to 43 and a half is your total adam we get we get uh, Kyler Murray back under center there for the Cardinals. We are going to go with Taylor uh, Heineke one more week for the Falcons at least. Apparently, there will be a a evaluation after that to see what they're going to do at the. Uh, I don't know what Kyler Murray is going to bring to the table. I have fought myself a million times trying to. I have wanted to play the Cardinals so many times this week, and I. I I still don't do it. I still have in the back of my mind that it is a guy that hasn't played football in a year coming in. I understand he's he's awesome when he has played, but he hadn't taken snaps in a year, and so that has like kept me from doing it. But I can also not back the Falcons on the road against anyone, Arthur Smith, and whatever the hell he's trying to prove and what he's trying to do. I can't get there either. Maybe Cardinals contest play for me or something like that, but... um. I just, I just can't quite get there. I, I have been greatly enjoying betting against the Atlanta Falcons this year, and that would be the only way that I would go in this game. Um, last week, I, you know, again, Stephen mentioned that the game could have played out a lot worse for for Minnesota than it did, but 
The reason that it didn't is because the Falcons are the Falcons and, and they don't have a quarterback. Evaluate it all you want. What are you evaluating? Whether Tyler, Taylor Heineke sucks more than Desmond Ritter yeah. or whether Desmond Ritter sucks more than Taylor Heineke. <laughs> Guess what? They both suck because that's all that Atlanta has is a couple of suck at quarterback. They're, they're not any good. And this goes back to what I said in the preseason when everybody was hot on Atlanta. They don't have any quarterback play that you can feel confident about. And now they also have a head coach who seems to think that his most dynamic player, according to the quotes he gave this week, is better as a decoy. So, yeah, Yeah. you know, how do you feel confident backing the Atlanta Falcons? He's given one yard carries at the goal line to tight ends. Like, what the holy hell is going on? I don't. I I don't know. Tyler Algier had more carries than Bijan Robinson last (laughs) week. So, you know, make, make of that. Make of that what you will, and what you're likely going to, you know, make is nothing. The uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Here's the way I look at the Kyler Murray thing, Matt, and maybe this will help crystallize your handicap a little bit. Think of how bad the quarterback play has been for Arizona, especially last week. Right, last week uh, Clayton Tune put out one of the worst games in the NFL this year, and I know it was against Cleveland. But on the other end of this, Josh Dobbs wasn't great for the Cardinals, but he kept them competitive, consistently kept this team inside numbers. And you're going to get now Kyler Murray, who I think you can say that Kyler Murray, even if you are getting, what, 60%, 70% of what Kyler Murray can be, you're probably getting what is in today's NFL, a top 20 quarterback. And that's conservative, right? Because you know he's capable of more than that. So to me, that makes it pretty easy to, at the very least, where there are one and a halfs on the board here, play the Cardinals teaser leg, right? Uh, Cover a little bit of your variance. Play the Cardinals teaser leg out to seven and a half. The one thing we can say about Atlanta, if you like them, great. But you don't think they're beating anybody in the league by more than a touchdown right now. Yeah, no, and, you know, we were all hot and heavy on this Atlanta defense, which certainly has come back down to earth at least a little bit as well. I think that the lack of true talent on the defensive side of the ball is starting to show a little bit. Um, Steven, yeah, I listen, if I knew I was getting 85% Kyler Murray, I would probably bet the Cardinals here. I mean, like, it's it's just... There's the little bit of the unknown that is keeping me off of it. That being said, I who knows? Maybe by the time this all rolls around, I'll have some sort of little piece of it. I teased the Cardinals um, halfway just for the entertainment of rooting against Art Smith anymore at this point. <laughs> like This is just – you guys mentioned he's evaluating Heineke and Ritter, and I couldn't get the picture of like – those biannual or annual one-on-one HR evaluations that we've all gone through in our lives and having Art Smith being the person on the other side of the table, being the person that's evaluating your performance when he's doing some of the things he's doing out there. And if you haven't seen the running jokes on the internet about Art Smith and him being the trust fund baby of the FedEx fortune, it's fantastic. It's hilarious. And also there's been like jokes going around, like what, what would have happened if Art Smith was the coach of some of these sports teams in movies? Like I, I joke that uh, Art Smith would have traded Dottie instead of Kit in a league of their own. And somebody said they would have benched Hobbs in the natural if Art Smith was the head coach. It's just, it's been a very entertaining week on Twitter, making fun of Art Smith. So uh, just on its face, betting against the, this Falcons team and this coach, 
to win by two possessions seems like good process to me. There is a lot of unknowns here. I at least just want to give the devil's advocate question back to you, Matt, that mm -hmm. the Cardinals are, are horrendously bad. Like there's, they're, they're probably the worst defense in the league by a decent margin here. So my question to you is, you know, we have kind of a reference point from a few weeks ago when the Bengals were being rated around a league average team when Burrow was still injured and they were still minus three on the road against the Cardinals. And now the Falcons are only one, one and a half. And I think most people still have them as, you know, maybe slightly below average. So is there at least an argument to be made here at all that the hate for the Falcons has gone too far and this is pretty cheap against a really bad defense, really bad team where literally the only silver lining is faith in this quarterback coming off of a long layoff. Yeah. I, I mean, my, I guess in a, in a league in which we ha kind of have to, and Adam, you kind of summed this up where we're, we're in an era where there's just a lot of bad teams and there's just a lot of, a, a, a lot of bad decision-making, a lot of bad stuff going on. Like, if I'm going to go into a game and I'm going to back a team that I think is bad, I at least want to have some confidence in the coach. I want to have some confidence in the uh, some confidence at all in the quarterback. I want there to be something that would be trending up that would give me the feelings of like, oh, okay, I'm going to back a bad team, but I really trust whatever Vrabel or like, uh, or, you know, I'm going to back a bad team, but like, hey, I really trust Kyler Murray. If I knew that, you know, again, Kyler Murray was completely healthy or something, like, I know he's a good, it's a good quarterback or like, I want something to like hold on to. And I have no nothing with that with the Falcons, right? Like, I would love to be able to sit here and say, like, you know what, as long as they feed Bijan 30 times in this game, like, I can at least feel fairly confident that they're going to be in it, but they're not doing that. They won't do that. They won't, they won't even give him 20 touches in a game. And so, yeah, I don't, I just don't have anything for, to put confidence in me with, with the Falcons at all. It's kind of how I go about these bad teams, right? I try to look for something to hold on to nothing to hold on to with me with them. All right. So pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting game here, fellas, as we move on, it is the Washington commanders and the Seattle Seahawks. And there was love for the Seahawks. Then there was love for the commanders. Then there was love for the Seahawks again. And now we are getting some more love for the commanders. This guy, as high as six and a half in favor of the, of the Seahawks. It is now down to six, even a five and a half that has now popped back out there for the Seahawks. It is 44 and a half as your total. Um, Steven, if we look at this, it is a game in which, yeah, Seattle's coming off getting blitzed. You made the case earlier that maybe the Ravens are if not the best team in the NFL, a, a top three team in the NFL. So maybe the loss isn't quite as terrible because it is against the Ravens and the Ravens might do that to a lot of teams for the rest of the season. And you have a commander's team that, yeah, they traded away a couple of defensive guys at, at the trade deadline, but the defense wasn't really good anyway. And if you kind of strip away some of the noise, Hal's been pretty good actually, like with all of this. So it's a pretty interesting handicap in this. So where are you? I'm kind of on the Washington side here, um, which surprised me because I thought at the start of the week before I dug into numbers that I'd be on the Seattle side here in a, in a buy low spot. Um, some Something has changed with Hal the, the past few weeks. Weeks one through five, he was pressured on 38% of dropbacks and took a league high 29 sacks in those five games. The pressure rate isn't all that improved from week six through nine. It's only it's still 36% but he's only taken 14 sacks in four games. So from 
the the reporting I've seen, it's a lot more three step dropbacks and uh, getting the ball out of his hand faster. And as we know, if you take a sack on a drive, it's just a it's a killer. It's it's not as bad as a turnover, obviously, but the data shows that. Uh, teams are three to four times more likely to score a touchdown on a drive if they don't take a sack each of the past five seasons. Uh, that from the great work of Rich Rebar. Uh, Howell, I also think, has a decent argument for being the better quarterback in this game to this point in the season. Since week four, he's number six in the NFL in completion percentage over expected, clearly better than Geno Smith in that span. The Seattle defense only has a league average pressure rate, so I think he's going to be able to operate again. And you mentioned them trading away Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Now, part of this might be New England's offensive line is really bad, but at least the first return on that trade is that they actually had a higher pass rush win rate than their season average in the first game without Young and Sweat, uh, that nugget from from Eli Hershkovich on the site. So I think this is a lot of points. Um I, and I understand why the market is moving towards Washington here. And I think the people that are wanting to back Seattle are using a buy low argument where I, I have not been impressed with the Seattle offense over the past three weeks. And I have in particular not been impressed with Geno Smith. Adam, I, uh, when this was at six and a half, I was able to buy to seven. So I have seven. Um, on the commanders and basically this is a lot of a handicap on the fact that DK Metcalf got added to the injury report on Thursday where he wasn't, where he wasn't listed. So that's never good when you get added to the injury report, their standout linebacker and Jordan Brooks is going to be likely going to be out in this one as well. And then you just look and Geno Smith has just been the stink over the last month of the season. He's just been absolutely putrid and if you go in and if you look at the qualifiers for the adjusted epa per play over the last month if you look at a requisite number of snaps of, of a quarterback that's been taken geno smith is 24th out of 28 qualifiers only ahead of like zach wilson and in and, and you know these other guys that are absolutely p- pathetic bryce bryce young and stuff and so there's always the fact that we know Geno Smith under pressure has just been a guy that has, has, has crumbled. And unfortunately for him, he was pressured 16 times last week, sacked four times. The week before that, he was pressured 19 times on 39 dropbacks, I might add. And, 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 and then in week six, uh, the week before their bye, he's pressured 22 times on 48 dropbacks and sacked four times in that game as well. The offensive line is failing him. And I think, with the YOLO nature, we talk about the YOLO nature of Baker Mayfield, the YOLO nature of Sam Howell. If I can get a touchdown or even six, I mean, even I know we should talk about the number right now, six. I don't know if you ever feel totally out of it, right? I mean, like, like how's throwing the ball pretty well. And if you look and a lot of these guys who are smarter than us that grade these quarterbacks just on performance and all stuff like that, like they like what Hal's done so far this year and all that. So I think it's a fairly big number for for Seattle to try and cover and um, I'll, I'll, I'll back me some Sam Howell to be able to, uh, to, to get me some garbage time if I need it. Your feelings about the Cardinals this week are my feelings about the commanders this week. I have been so close so many times when that number has been six <laughs> or six and a half with Washington. Uh, the spot is not good, right? Back-to-back road and then back-to-back road traveling cross country is not great for Washington. And I think, 
you're absolutely buying at the highest possible point on Washington and the lowest possible point on Seattle. That said, there's no chance I'm backing the Seahawks with what I've seen the last three weeks out of them because Seattle actually should have lost to Cleveland at home against PJ Walker, which that should concern anyone. And then they also have let bad teams like the Cardinals hang around in games where they should have thrown them far, far off the field. So something's not right in Seattle. I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. And spot as much as anything is what's troubling for me for the commanders as much as if Gino's ever going to get right, it's going to be against this Washington secondary, right? We know that Washington is horrendous against the pass and you can't judge anything that happened last week because Mac Jones is Mac Jones and they have nobody who can separate on defense either. So I think that if you want to play the commanders, I understand the idea of taking the points here, but I think the handicap is really simple. If you buy what you've seen out of Washington's offense, you probably buy Washington to win this game. And if you buy Washington's offense and you buy him to win this game, then I could see playing Moneyline. I could see even taking an alt out to two and a half on Washington and really trying to make this one of those plays where maybe it's not a full unit kind of play. Maybe this is a half unit that you throw at some big plus money and try to see if maybe you know you can balance it out because I don't necessarily want to be anywhere near Seattle in this thing. I have enough hesitation on Washington that what I want to play out on Washington is a tail hitting versus trying to figure out exactly where they're going to land this week. Yeah, it is. It's going to be a very interesting game for sure because this is kind of, and I know it's only week 10 and we got a long way to go. But, fellas, doesn't this kind of almost weirdly feel like a prove-it game to see, for Seattle? Like, it's like, hey, oh, man, if you can't win at home against the Commanders in this defense, like, if you can't get this done, then you are not a contender at all. Like, I mean, like, like we're kind of, you're kind of teetering on the pretender as it is anyway right now, but it's like, you are definitely not a contender at all if you can't get it done. So, I'll, it'll, I'll be interested to see what, what Pete Carroll and them are able to do here against the Commanders. New York Giants and Dallas Cowboys. Nope, not happening. It's not an actual game. It's uh, this game. Is, nope, nope, nope. The NFL canceled it. It's Dallas a, wins a, two nothing. Just keep fo- moving. It's a football game. Um, no, it's not. Adam, it has gotten all the way to eighteen at one of the books out there. Uh, <laughs> and the total is thirty nine. What number do you need, Adam? What number do you need for your? It has gotten blue? to eighteen, and a total of thirty nine. Um. I mean, just an impossible handicap, but let's try and do our best. Adam, obviously, we'll start with you. Um, it's going to be Danny DeVito, Tommy DeVito. Sorry, sorry. Um, it'd probably be just the same if it was Danny DeVito. They could just run the tush push with Danny DeVito like every single time. Hold on. Idea. Danny DeVito. And then you just put two linemen lined up behind him. And he takes the snap, and they just pick him up and huck him for, like, three yards at a time. Like, they just huck him down the field for three yards at a time. That's probably more efficient than what Tommy DeVito is going to be able to do in this game. But, I I mean, honestly, that's not the worst idea for the New York football Giants. Uh, Adam, 18 points in a 39 total game. In week one in New York with Daniel Jones starting the Cowboys beat the Giants 40 to nothing. (laughs) 
So it's pretty much all I have to <laughs> I'm say. sorry, like, I can't help it. It's eight, you know, the the, the the New York Giants were in the divisional round of, of the NFC playoffs last year, believe it or not. Um Tommy DeVito is a third string quarterback and undrafted free agent going against one of the best defenses in all of football. Um I have nothing to add to this. I, I don't want to bet it. I don't want to watch it. I, there's no way I could advocate for taking the points uh, with the Giants because they're, they might not score. Uh, really, truly, I don't say that facetiously. If you remember right, last right, week, right, I was, right. like I said, that, I said last week, I don't feel confident the Giants are going to score more than seven points, and that's when I thought Daniel Jones was going to be the quarterback. And so I definitely do not see where the Giants, outside of being gifted a short field on a turnover or a special teams play, are going to be able to get even a field goal on the board here. So I don't know. Uh, th- there's really nothing to say beyond that for me because Dallas can kind of name its number for how much it's going to score here. It is. Uh, I think one of the interesting ways maybe to look at it, the Cowboys are 10 and a half in the first half. And if you think that they might take their foot off the gas after they get up a ton, maybe you just take some of the variance away and some of the having to guess when they do start to pull the starters and you could play them 10 and a half in the first half. I, I don't know. Again, we're just digging here. Um, uh, <laughs> Steven, what, what, what are you, what, what are you, what are you looking at here? Let's do the exercise that everybody always likes to do in, in, gambling content when there's a quarterback change i'll ask the question matt uh are we sure devito is eight points worse than daniel jones (laughs) because i I can't even get through it there you go matt i'm kind of asking facetiously but are we sure devito is eight points worse than daniel jones the i'll put it this way the prop of the cowboys to win in a shutout is only seven to one (laughs) like it's only seven to one like the fact that the Giants can't even get within a 55 yard field goal range to like bomb up a field goal and like whatever it's only seven to one for the Cowboys to win but DeVito had a positive completion percentage over expected last week Matt that's because it was expected to be zero (laughs) (laughs) very true uh, all right I'll 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 tell you what I bet now uh all right I thought this was uh, just a very fun, hilarious bet that actually has a chance of winning. I took four to one odds on Cowboys minus 27 and a half this week. That's what I did. I mean, <laughs> because YOLO. It's not. I mean, um, listen, it, it, if Adam is correct, and I actually don't like we said, not being facetious, the Giants might not score in this game. So, like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I only had to put a quarter unit on it. I only had to put a quarter unit on it to win the full unit I usually get on other games. So, YOLO. Uh, Let me me give you one bet. Just I'll just give you one bet. So yeah, if you if yeah. you're part of the ninety percent of the country that's going to get this is America's game of the week in the four p.m. <laughs> window. Um, my God, I'm sorry. Um, you know, go outside with your kids. But um, Demarcus Lawrence right now at DraftKings is plus money over a quarter sack, plus one fourteen. Guys, Devito is going to get killed. They they sacked Daniel Jones, I believe it was eight times in week one. And in, if you want Micah Parsons, you're going to have to pay ridiculous money because it's three quarters of a sack minus 180. Go play Demarcus Lawrence on the other end. Team totals nine and a half. Do they get to 10? Do they get double digits? 
I need to know the last time a team has had a nine and a half total in the NFL. Like that that's that's like who who Iowa plays every week. I don't know if they get to ten, guys. I, I honestly honestly don't know if they get to ten. Can we talk about another game? All right. I'm just uh, <laughs> we're trying to give people some bets here, you know? I mean it is Adam, We're trying to Adam's tell them to watch a different game. Honestly Adam. though, honestly though, honestly though. That Danny DeVito play could be on, could work. I'm serious. Like if you do, you just just what if, him over the top what, of the line for like three four yards at a time. What if he showed up with the uh, with that smell sucker thing from the Jersey Mike's commercials? Yeah, and yeah. he tried to like suction linemen close to him and protect him and just run down the field. Like I'm telling, this is not the worst idea. He takes the snap. Two giant guys pick him up and just huck him for three yards. I, I mean, like, I'm just saying, it's just so, it's not somebody needs idea. to take somebody needs to take the gif of uh, Devito lighting money on fire and put Tommy Devito's face over top of it <laughs> for this week. It's gonna be so good. Anyway, uh, that's a game that's gonna happen, and this is also a game that's gonna happen. It is the uh, New York Jets against the Las Vegas Raiders. That is sitting. Uh, by the way, that is your Sunday night football game. For everybody out there had the chance to flex out of that and chose not to i have my thoughts anyway uh it is sitting a point in favor of the jets at some sites it is a pick em at some sites it is a point in favor of the raiders at some sites so basically it is a pick em game here the total anywhere from 36 and a half to 37 and a half um Steven, it is a Jets defense that we know is actually legitimately good. It is an offense that is legitimately bottom three, and that is may- maybe being generous when it all comes down to it. Um, it. It's just, it's it's putrid to watch them try to play. That's why I can only assume the Raiders are getting some love in this game because, yes, as good as the Jets defense is, the offense can't get in the end. The offense cannot do anything whatsoever, so the Raiders might could win this game by scoring 13 points has to be the rationale behind all of this uh where do you stand on jets and raiders i to quote michael scott from the office i think i'm ready to be heard again because i (laughs) bet the jets last week and i turned it off by halftime because of zach wilson and i I, i've done it again i've I've bet the jets again because i don't know how aiden o'connell is going to move the ball against this jets defense now, I also don't know how Zach Wilson's going to move the ball, but I at least know that the pass defense for the Raiders is pretty soft. So I'm hoping that he can at least do a little bit and not turn it over three times in this game. Uh, and hopefully Crosby just doesn't wreck this bet for me because he's an animal. And I think if he was on a team with a better record, we'd be talking about him for potential defensive player of the year. He's been just phenomenal. Um if you if you kind of listen to what's being said by the new coaching staff um, and Antonio Pierce uh, and, the, and the new OC, they're talking about like smash mouth, run the football. If you look at the box score last week, granted, big positive game state, but um, 26 carries for Josh Jacobs last week and Devonte Adams, four catches for 34 yards. Fine by me. Go ahead and do that some more. It, they're they're just trying to hide O'Connell, I think, a little bit. Um, I just plug my nose and and take uh, the unit. I think that is the best on the field in this game, and I think it's the Jets' defense. 
Yeah, Adam, it is a it is a very interesting handicap here. I mean, Sunday night football, it, so it's going to get bet, right? I mean, like people are going to come in and this thing's going to get bet. Is it going to move in favor of the Jets? Like, do we wait if we want the Raiders in this thing because it's going to it's going to go towards the New York market? I mean, is that what we do? Like, is this thing literally actually going to tick up from a total standpoint, which we see sometimes like in these primetime games? If that's the case, if I get north of 37, I mean are these two teams going for 38 points? So I, I don't know. There's, it's just a very interesting handicap. No. And that's the play here. Uh, the 37 and a half, wherever you can find that on the board, bet that under and don't think twice about it because I, I want to make a comparison here. And I want everyone to think about this because I'm going to tell you one of these two numbers is wrong. You have to decide which one is wrong or maybe both are wrong for you. We talked earlier about Tampa and Tennessee, right? With a 39 total. You're telling me that this game is a point and a half away from that game? Now, I think the Tampa-Tennessee total is far too low. But if you look at this game right here, you look at a Jets defense, and uh, pardon me for once. You look at a Jets defense that this year, here's what they've allowed. And mind you, this has all been with Zach Wilson putting them in a blender for the entire season. They allowed 16 in overtime to Buffalo. They allowed 30 at Dallas in Zach Wilson's first start the next week. They allowed 15, then 23 to the Chiefs, 21, 14, 10, and then 27 in a game where they couldn't get off the field last week against the Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim. So I can't figure out in any way how either of these teams is going to get to 20 points. And without a team getting to 20 points, you're not getting a 37 to go over so if you can get 37 and a half i would take that under yeah like i said i mean that we might get we might get the, i mean like, everybody likes to bet the overs right and i mean it's one of those things where i do believe that maybe there is a uh maybe that's the play in this thing just a just a very again very tough handicap all around because these teams are just just so bad in certain elements and 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 it's just uh it's a bummer all right, guys, real quick on a whip around here. Uh, we don't talk a lot of just kind of what the, the current state of the betting market is, so I do want to get thoughts here. I don't think we need to have a discussion on the NFC North. The Lions are 10-1 to 1 to win that one. I don't think we have a need to come to conversation on the AFC West. The Chiefs are 9-1. to 1. AFC East, Dolphins minus 225, Bills plus 270. We're not going to even consider the Jets or Patriots here. Uh, Adam, minus 225, is that too short on the Dolphins? Do you think the Bills have a chance to come back and win this thing? Is plus 270 too too long there on the bills i can't back buffalo right now uh there's too much wrong here and there's too much wrong that we don't know about uh, josh allen's shoulder is not right and they're not telling us exactly what's going on and no matter what the plus money looks like i can't get there the market wants to fade miami the market wants to give you the miami can't beat good teams narrative and there's only so hard i can push back but i've also seen this offense when it's at its absolute best and I know that that doesn't exist elsewhere in the National Football League this year. So I just can't really comfortably get involved. The, the price is not correct on Miami. I don't think by any stretch, especially considering Buffalo has the first head-to-head -head win between those two teams. But to back this Buffalo team with as beaten up as the defense is and as out of sync as the offense is, I, I get it. You're going to look at the advanced numbers, and the advanced numbers tell you, hey, success rate still looks good. Hey, 
EPA still looks good, right? They're going to tell you that Buffalo's num- Buffalo is still getting it done offensively. It hasn't mattered, and that's the real problem. Steven, I actually, if I had to play this, I'd lay the 225, depending on the size of your bankroll. Uh, we're on bye right now with the Dolphins. Dolphins come out of the bye. Raiders, Jets, Commanders, Titans, Jets. Um, that that is that they're going to have eleven wins, and then it's Cowboys, Ravens, Bills. It's a tough stretch to end it, but if you go one for three in those, they're going to finish with twelve wins, and twelve wins going to be good enough to win that division. So I actually think minus two twenty five is a pretty decent bet on the Dolphins right now, and maybe you wait just a tad to bet it because the Bills are big favorites on Monday night, and they might look good, and they might look like world beaters, and people might come in and start betting them to win that division. You might even get a better number than two, minus 225 on the Dolphins because they're on by and they're out of sight, out of mind. But, yeah, I, 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 think, the, I think the Dolphins are, are by far the favorite to win this division. I, I would bet them. I think it's bettable. You read my mind. The Dolphins' schedule is, is they're going to be touchdown or larger favorite for each of their next five games, I would think. I've actually already bet the Dolphins on the look ahead minus nine and a half at home against the Raiders for week 11. Um, <clears throat> I think the Bills are on life support here. I think this defense is a massive problem. Combine it with what Adam said about Josh Allen and his shoulder. And the defense is getting even more injured. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, their safeties are banged up. Uh, Bernard, their middle linebacker is banged up. It's It's... They're running out of guys on defense. Yeah. It's it's a massive issue. AFC North, the Ravens minus one thirty, the Bengals plus two seventy, Browns six to one, Steelers eight and a half to one. Steven, we had the discussion earlier about the Ravens being the best team in the NFL. Cincinnati's on a massive win streak. Uh big favorites this week as well. Look to be healthy. Minus one thirty on the Ravens, plus two seventy on the Bengals, or is this just a pass for you? Never the Browns. That's for starters. Yeah. Um Probably just a pass for me. I think mm-hmm. this is uh, coin flip games essentially between the the Bengals and the Ravens. And with my previously stated concerns still about the Bengals defense, I think the Ravens are the more well-rounded team. Bengals, don't forget, are also still playing a first place schedule the rest of the year. And the Ravens are not. Yes, uh, Adam, we have... We have a, a Bengals team that looks healthy and rocking and rolling, and then uh, you've got a you've got a a Ravens team that is trucking right now. Is minus one thirty too short on the Ravens to win that division? No, not at all. Uh, I I like that price. I like that mm-hmm. price more than I like the Miami price, especially because look at the other side of this. Right, you you have Baltimore already having a victory over Cincinnati, mm-hmm. as opposed to Buffalo having the victory over Miami. That's in pocket, and it's minus 130. You know, you talk about remaining strength of schedule. According to Pro Football Focus, it's number six for Cincinnati, number nine for Baltimore. But th- there are a lot of advantages that Baltimore has in this spot that to get them at just north of a pick I think, is actually a pretty good price. Yeah, I think there's a bizarro world that maybe the Texans play their way into AFC South, but we'll just say Jags at minus 475. We're not going to deal with that one. Uh, maybe bizarro world out there in which the Cowboys come back and clip the Eagles, but minus 550. I don't know if you want to play the Cowboys at plus 370. If y'all if y'all think that's a bet, then maybe y'all, y'all can jump in. But, I mean, the Eagles just continue to win games. So, like, I know there's there's things to pick apart with them, but they just they just continue to win. Can I tell you what I think the one crazy long shot that's at least worth a look among all of these is? Is anybody in the NFC South good? <laughs> yeah, no. I know. That's why I was I was saving that one for last because I thought we might actually have a discussion with this one because it's like go for it. 
Yeah, because, like, I mean, I think we all think the Niners are going to win the West, so we don't really have to discuss that one either. Saints minus 170, Falcons plus 225, Bucks 6-1, to one, and then the Panthers are a jillion to one. Um, Adam, I'm guessing your case is going to be made for the Bucks. How can it not be in this division? How can it not be? Yeah. The Tampa Bay offense is functional when they do the things that they need to do. Mm-hmm. And they're such a high-variance team defensively because of all the blitzing that there are going to be games where they really show out. And so, again, go look at the, the numbers that we have for the rest of the year. The argument against Tampa Bay is going to be, oh, well, you know, look what they did against Houston last week. They don't have any defense. Look, here's what I'll tell you about Tampa. Tampa, to date, has played the number six schedule in terms of strength of schedule in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They're number 29 over the rest of the year. Whereas if you look at Atlanta, they've played the 31st schedule. They have the 32nd schedule remaining. And if you look at New Orleans, they played the 32nd schedule and they have the 31st schedule remaining. Mm. So the point of the matter is New Orleans and Atlanta have looked like this against bad schedules in the first place. Whereas Tampa has actually looked halfway functional to the point where a six to one bet to me, that price is too high. You should be getting Tampa Bay. I would think a, a fair number on Tampa is probably more like four to one. So at six to one, my case would be for Tampa. Yeah. Steven, what do you, what do you think about the division? I mean, yeah, it's a cakewalk schedule for the saints moving forward, but even with a cakewalk schedule outside of the giants game, they're not going to be bigger than a field goal favorite in any of these games because it's just like, they're just not that good and they're not able to do it. So, I mean, yeah, they have one gimme in the giants, but outside of that it's at Rams, it's at bucks. They're still in at Falcons. Of course, this week they're at the Vikings. Um, is do do you see a world in which the Saints don't win this division? Yes, um, I, I I think it's a good price, and just looking at the schedule, it makes sense. I kind of just did sports talk radio in my head and went game by game here to figure out like mm-hmm. how many winnable games the Bucks have, and I could legitimately see them getting to that Week 17 showdown with the Saints, where if they beat the Saints, which they already have handily might i add mm-hmm. uh that would in my mind potentially get the bucks up to 10 wins um at that juncture and probably need the saints to lose week 18 uh against atlanta to keep them at 10 wins and then the bucks would have the tiebreaker so that's kind of how i looked at it with the winnable games left on the schedule for both teams here i think the saints are probably going to have to drop a game they're not supposed to and the bucks get the winnable games that they are supposed to, but your, your points about strength, the schedule rest of the season are very well taken on Tampa Bay. Adam, we are down to plus one Oh five, only plus one Oh five on the no for the bills to make the playoffs. If that tells anybody what the, even the betting market thinks about this bills team and that shoulder of Josh Allen, it is only plus one Oh five for them not to make the playoffs this year. This was one of your super bowl favorites entering the season. Hey, was my pick to go to the Super Bowl this year, but I also wasn't planning on the quarterback being hurt and them losing their best defender at all three levels. So it's tough that way when it comes to this team. And and the problem is you look at the rest of this schedule and there's a lot of, oh my God here. Like you get past this game this week against the Broncos on Monday night, Jets at home and we know what this defense can do to them at Eagles, at Chiefs versus Cowboys, at Chargers, home Patriots at Dolphins. Not only do they have these ridiculous games against the Eagles, Chiefs, and Dolphins, all three that they have left are on the road. So Mm -hmm. the price is reasonable. Yeah, it is interesting, guys. We appreciate you sticking around for just a little 
bonus commentary there for what we're thinking about these divisions. But it is the halfway point, so I wanted to kind of get that in there. If there's any bets that you can still make for the rest of the season, wanted to get those in your account. Of course, everything we do, absolutely free. So head over to thelines.com, go in and uh, take in all of the great stuff that that Steven and everybody else over there is putting in over at thelines.com. And of course, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button here on the channel. Give us a thumbs up and let us know in the comment section what's your favorite bet of the week. Do you disagree with us vehemently on any of these games that we broke down this week? We will certainly uh, read anything in there. As uh, as Steven mentioned, anything that gets added uh, over in the Discord, upper right-hand corner of the homepage, you can get in. That's absolutely free as well. And always talking the bets and different angles and stuff like that over there all day, every day over in the Discord. For Steven, for Adam, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your Week 10 bets.